Hello, and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. I am your host, Scott Brady, and for today's interview, I spend time with Sinway Xavier. Sinway's been a longtime personal friend. He's been on the podcast before and it was one of our most popular episodes. So in this particular conversation, we talk about his new vehicle, which is a Chevrolet Bison AEV, and he's doing a bunch of cool modifications to that. We go into detail about his recent trips and adventures, including some into Central America, and we talk about what's next for Sinway. Sinway is an amazing creative. Uh, There's always these incredible insights that come from him in the podcasts. Uh, They're some of our most popular podcasts that we have uh, for the show. So please enjoy my wide-ranging conversation with my great friend, Sinway Xavier. This content is brought to you by Overland Journal, our premium quality print publication. The magazine was founded in 2006 with the goal of providing independent equipment and vehicle reviews, along with the most stunning adventures and photography. We care deeply about the countries and cultures we visit and share our experiences freely with our readers. We also have zero advertorial policy and do not accept any advertiser compensation for our reviews. By subscribing to Overland Journal, you're helping to support our employee-owned and veteran-owned publication. Your support also provides resources and funding for content like you are watching or listening to right now. You can subscribe directly on our website at overlandjournal.com. Let's talk about some of your recent travels. Yeah, I mean, since the last time we were together, I've, I've done quite a bit. And I think um, if we were just to go, go back a little bit, one of the most recent was driving from Panama to Mexico in a 1968 Land Rover Series 2A. And, you know, my good friend Miguel in, in Mexico City, sent me this this text as he does often <laughs> and it, it says hey i just bought a he sent me a picture actually it was a picture of this this land rover in colombia he's like hey i just bought this do you want to drive to mexico with me from colombia <laughs> i i said yes because i love a great terrible idea <laughs> and this was geez this was probably july or august of 2021 and by February of 2022, he still hadn't gotten the truck, but he, he had it, but he right. hadn't gotten it. You know, he finally... Did it need to be driven through part of Colombia or was it just getting get shipped? He initially tried... I mean, you've got a Mexican dealing with Colombians. And I mean, it's it's a perfect analogy to our friendship, his Mexicanness dealing with my <laughs> Colombianness, And it's like cultural difference. It's a sure. culture, cultural difference. I mean, it's just it's 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 comedy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, six months later, he finally flies down there to Medellin and drives it from Medellin to Cartagena to have it shipped from Cartagena to uh, Panama. OK, I couldn't do it for whatever reason. I think I was busy uh, with with a project and you know, he's texted me from the road. He's like, Oh, this thing's amazing. It works great. Like it's, we're going to have such a great trip. It's going to be in Panama in three weeks. I'm like, okay, just let me know. And this is, you know, early, early on in 2022. 
And as those things go, there's a, some quagmires happen. Some sure, things, sure. You know, things don't exactly, I think we were supposed to, it was supposed to be kind of an end of February, my birthday type of, of trip. Fast forward to May, early May, I fly to Mexico City to meet him to fly to Panama to get the truck. And I'm hanging out in Mexico City and I keep, he's, he's a, this, this ball of stress, just, you know, like, I don't know what's going on. You know, like it hasn't left Cartagena. They keep telling me they're putting it on the next boat. They're putting it on the next boat. Sure. And I'm just like, you know, whatever. Like I, you know, it, these Mexico things happen. Mexico City is not a bad place to be. Yeah. yeah. Mexico City is a great place to be. Yeah, the food's the best in the world. And oh, that's interesting. We have to dig into that. Yeah. Part. Yeah. So I'm hanging out in Mexico City. And, you know, meanwhile, I have my friends are all you know, my California, LA friends, they're all going to, uh, to Baja to race the Mexican 1000. And I'm like, Miguel, what's up with this, this car? Cause I'm going to fly to Baja real quick and, <laughs> and race the Mexican 1000. And then we can go do this, this trip. Sure. And he's like, go do the Mexican, you know, he's, he's so frustrated with these, these people. It's like, go do the Mexican 1000. So I go do the Mexican 1000 and finish that and then fly by then he, has jumped through so many hoops. I can't imagine the stress that he's had because he's literally flown to Panama city, taken a taxi out to the port town of, I can't remember what it is because I've never been there, Yeah, but it's the port town out on the East coast on the Caribbean of Panama, picks up his car, you know, and has to pay bribes and all this stuff, you know, like the, the ports on strike, but it's not on strike. If you pay him money and, of course, and you know, like all the, course. all the weird Panama stuff. So I fly and to usually Panama is pretty good as far as Central American countries go on shipping. They're usually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's, but, that's what that economy is, right? It's sure. It's a shoot. It's the Panama canal. It is. Yeah. So I fly mm-hmm. down to Panama. I get there at like six in the morning and I meet, meet with Miguel and I'm like, how, how's the car? He's like, so good, man. We're, we're dialed. We had a few little things. There was a leak there. You know, we had, it's at the mechanics right now, but we're, we're dialed. I'm like, great. So I've got a full day in Panama city while they're finishing things up. You know, the next day we get on the road and it's pouring rain, you know, like Central America, full on rain. Sure. And literally day one, it's just spewing coolant out of the back of the engine, (laughs) you know, day one, hour four. And come, yeah, so you're barely out of metro. Barely out. I mean, we were metro we Panama were like City. three hours out of Panama City. Okay, to the north, all right, you know. sure. And that's but, a good road. That's a oh, really yeah, that's easy a great road, road yeah. to drive. Pan American yeah. Highway. We're, yep. we're cruising along, and come to find out, you know, after you know being in the car with Miguel and actually being able to catch up on on what was going on is, you know, on those little series motors, they're in England and in Europe and North America. There was the the back of the engine had a about a I'd say a one inch hole in it. That was your heater. Oh, sure. you know, went to the heater core. Well, that in South America and the, the equatorial countries, they just plug that up right. with something. Yeah. You didn't need it. <laughs> didn't need it. You didn't need a heater. You didn't, you right. know, so it just stayed uh, plugged. Well, this plug had rotted to nothing and was spewing coolant out of it. And it was such that it was in the back of the engine. You had like you know, an inch maybe to get back there to actually see it. Pretty Clear, clearly where it's coming yeah, from. Clearly yeah, clearly where sure. it's coming from. And I mean, to the point where like when mm-hmm. it actually broke open, you could feel it against the firewall of, right. you know, the bulkhead of the, of the Land Rover. So spewing, we, I don't know, you know, JB Weld, every type of thing 
I think we had maybe the bottom of a, of a soda can, <laughs> like covering it, you know, whatever it took. But we get down the road, you know, like it's going. We figured it out in this little shop. And the amazing thing about any developing country that I've ever been in is when you're a traveler, those guys are rooting for you. They are. They will drop anything to help you get back on the road. Sure. And not that these guys <laughs> at the first shop that we stopped at had anything going on. They were literally like, all right, we're going to figure this out and get you back on the road. You need to get get going north. Yeah. I mean, what a novelty to see this 50-year-old car with a Mexican and a Colombian. <laughs> totally. Like, so we we cruise north and we make it that night to not as far as we had hoped, but we make it to this little, you know, we pull in and it's these little cabanas that cost like 60 bucks a night. You know, it was That's amazing. Expen- 60 bucks a night? But they were great. Oh, I mean, okay, they gotcha. were like gotcha. first class. Like, gotcha. Yeah. So like was, a little hotel room. Yeah, like a little hotel gotcha. room, but it was a cabana, you yeah, know, with a gotcha. pool and oh, we got nice. fed okay, dinner, I gotcha. I gotcha. you know, like the full program. Yeah, gotcha. it, was, it was amazing. The next morning we get on the road. It's It's, you know, this foggy scene and jungle. And, you know, I literally look over to Miguel and I go, dude, this is it. We're driving North on the Pan American highway. Like doesn't get any better than this. Like how lucky are we? Yeah. You know, and we're cruising along and then boosh, you could feel whatever we'd use to plug that hole, (laughs) hit the bulkhead and just steam everywhere. And there we are on the side of the road, just dead everything's wet sure. because we're in a Land Rover and it'd been raining. Right. And so I just get out and I start hanging my clothes up and everything is <laughs> wet. And I'm like, here, we, we're not going anywhere. Right. And so we get towed to David, which is a Northern city in yep. Panama. Yeah. I've been there. And nice spot. we get, it's a little bit know, more resources there too. Yeah. There's some more resources. Town, yeah. It's a, it's a decent town. Yeah, sure. You know, it's not, it's not a, a small place. It's not big by any means. Yeah. There's nothing over four stories there. Sure. But we'd heard about a European mechanic there, a Czech guy. Okay. Been in, been in Panama for a while. And uh, we get the, the car towed there and the guy's just looking at it and he's speaks perfect Spanish. So he and Miguel are, are going back and forth and um, he's never worked on a Land Rover before. But how complicated could it be? Sure. You know, like it's, yeah. it's a Land Rover, blah, sure. blah, 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 blah. We end up within the span and, and like, like I said, drops everything. And, and the only thing in this, this shop, and I say it's a shop, it's, it's literally a palapa, right. You know, with, with a lift in it. And on this lift is a <clears throat> Range Rover sport that is in a million pieces. Like I'm familiar with Range Rovers and I've never seen a Range Rover in this, like, the monocoque shell was off of the tray on the bottom and the engine was sideways with all the pieces off. And wow, you know, there's BMWs, but no old cars, but he takes, we take the engine out. (laughs) We send the engine, like the engine disappears on the back of a truck sure, to go get it machined so that we could machine a plug and, and actually do it right. Sure. So it's not going to corrode that whole thing. And then it's just gone and we're just hanging out at this shop with a pit bull on a chain and, <laughs> you know, we're just like, all right, how, how long is this going to take? Well, I don't know. It's, it's at the shop. Can, can we check? No, they'll get to us. So a day goes by <laughs> and we're like, how, how long is this going to take? 
Manana. when they get to, when they Manana. get done yeah manana manana when they get done they'll get done and we're just like okay like this is what we're doing it's such a blur i think we were there two nights that's not too bad no for pulling an engine sure you know the engine comes back and we we put put it back in you know miguel had traveled with a new clutch some other parts that he decided to put on might as well do it while the engine's out. Might as well do it while the engine's out, right? So we get the engine back in, and as soon as we try and drive, I'm like, dude, this clutch isn't this clutch isn't right. This is a, there's, there's something completely off with this clutch. He's like, I don't care. We're going. I'm like, all right. I mean, it drives. Like, we barely get into first gear, but let's go. Going north. And we just head north, and we get into... Probably got into Nicaragua next, yeah. Well, Costa Rica. Oh, Costa, Costa Rica, Rica, sure. Yeah. And we get to the Costa Rican border... And it is a quagmire like I've never seen. It's pouring rain. There's all these semi trucks that are blocked, like sure. a mile back. We walk up and we talk to the people at the window and they're like, well, if you just, and they show on the map, if you just go up, head east along the border, you're going to see an alleyway that gets you through. And we're like, what, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, just go through. Like, and then go to the Costa Rican side and they'll, they'll check you in and go, but don't we need to check out? I'm like, it's Panama. <laughs> like, nobody cares. So we literally cross the border through this muddy alley, you know, and end up in Costa Rica and Pavonas. And it was really, really like Pavonas is this, the, one of the longest left breaks, surf breaks in the world. Oh, wow. And I'm not a surfer. I don't identify as a surfer. I don't get surfing, you know, like <laughs> Mahalo. It was going off and to be in this town and see the energy of the surfers and these people just so psyched about that wave was incredible. That is incredible. You know, the next day we get on the road, the the truck's running great. It's torrential rain, the kind of rain you read about, you know, I'm sitting there, Miguel's driving and my windshield wiper just goes flying off. It's gone. (laughs) The arm, the arm goes the full like thing is gone. (laughs) It's just like, all right. So that's just how we've got one windshield wiper. It's cool. And we're cruising along. And then the, we'd filled up with gas and then the truck just dies right on the highway on the inside of this turn. And Miguel's like, I'm going to back up down to the bottom. I'm like, dude, we're not backing up anywhere. I'm just super safe guy, you yeah. know, like abnormally safe. But, you know, there's trucks coming by and everything. And finally, you know, we get get a tow again into, uh, I can't remember what town it was, but it was a terrible coaster, like super touristy. Right. You know, everyone like trying to sell you a picture with the iguana, <laughs> you know, type of place. Sure. And we're there and it's like, all right, we need to figure out this car. Let's try and find a mechanic here that can figure it. Like, did we get bad gas? Do we need to drain the gas? Did, what's, what's the issue? Yeah. You know, we had a mechanic come and he's like, you know, your battery's good. Yeah. I don't know. I called my contact in San Jose, the capital, who was a very tied into the whole Land Rover nice. world, you know, good guy to know. Yeah. Super good guy to know. Jose. And he was basically like, here's the shop. You need to get to the shop. He's Land Rover guy. He'll take care of it. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to San Jose. I'm over this. You know, if you can get the car fixed in two days, cool. If not, I'm going today to Santa Teresa to my buddy's hotel and I'm going to hang out. Okay. You can fix the, the, <laughs> the truck. Land Rover. Yeah. You can sure. fix the Land Rover that was supposed to be fixed by the time we got on. 
And then, you know, if it's fixed in two days, we'll continue going north. If it's not fixed in two days, I'm flying home. Sure. Over, over the Land Rover that breaks down every day. Sure. Um, he gets it fixed and it's great. Like, and we get on the road and we're cruising, you know, after two days, it was two days. I had a wonderful two days in, in Santa Teresa with my friends at House of Somos. And uh, you were ready to get back on the road. I was ready to get back on the road. Like I, you know, so I fly from Santa Teresa to Liberia. And we jump in the truck and we're heading north to Nicaragua. We've got lots of time. It's super cool. Like we're cruising. Trucks running great. Nice. Run the great, the best it's been. We get to the Nicaragua border and they're like, oh, you need a negative COVID test. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) we go get the negative COVID test. Have to, you know, it costs us an arm and a leg in Costa Rica because everything's expensive in Costa Rica. We get back to the border, get through, and then it's like, they're looking at our passports and they're like a Colombian and a Mexican, <laughs> no joking, no like anything. It's where's the drugs? Like, we don't have any drugs. Like go through, go through our stuff. No, where's it hiding in the truck? Like take the truck apart. It's a tin can. Yeah. You can't hide drugs anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And they're underneath it, like knocking on stuff, patting it down. All our stuff's just flipped out of the truck, you know, it's getting dark and it's raining, <laughs> you know, and, and here we are at the, the Nicaraguan border and they take it. They're like, well, we're going to go x-ray it. Go ahead, go x-ray it. <laughs> you know, like there's nothing in this truck. Like you can, you can, you, you don't need to x-ray it. Right. There's, there's no, pa- there's no hidden panels. Yeah, exactly. They're like, well, it's in the frame. We know it's in the frame. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. So they go, they x-ray it and like, well, the x-ray doesn't show anything. We're going to have to drill holes in the frame. They drilled eight holes in the frame, four on each side. Wow. With nothing, you know. And at this point, it's almost midnight. We've been there since 6 p.m. at the border dealing with this. And they're about to close. I've never heard of a frame being drilled at a border. Oh, yeah. This is the first time for that. Oh, yeah. So... It's midnight and they're and they like, close. that's clearly not the drug running vehicle of choice. No, a classic Land Rover, a classic Land Rover. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's slow. It's yeah, exactly. There's no place maneuver. to hide anything. There's no place to hide anything. Yeah. So it's midnight and they close the border at midnight. Like you can't go on after midnight and Miguel goes running in. Cause he's got the stamps from all of our stuff. You know, he goes running in and the guy like pulls the blinds down and then he brings them back up, gives us our stamp and we're in to Nicaragua. Yeah. You know, and what a beautiful country. Oh, Nicaragua was amazing. The roads are driving. The roads are, the roads are great. Well, they're, so they sound better than when I was there. Yeah. Oh, the The roads were super rough. I remember one out of Lyon was just, it was probably the worst potholes I'd ever seen. Really? No, the the roads were great. We cruised through Nicaragua. Nice. um, Into El Salvador. Oh, we had to go through Honduras. Right. <laughs> that one yeah. little, that one little corner, that there. one little corner. And we had planned on getting to Honduras earlier, but we got into Honduras just about as the sun was going down and we didn't want to spend the night in Honduras. We just want to get through it, get to El Salvador and it's raining. I like, it's just let's take that. Like the rest of this story, it's raining because <laughs> it rained the entire time, but we get into Honduras and we're driving along and we, we have like maybe another two, three hours in Honduras and the headlights just go out. <laughs> they don't get dim. They just, they just go them. out. Lucas, <laughs> Lucas, the Prince of darkness is living up to his name. <laughs> and we pull over on the side of the road and we're in Honduras and we've heard nothing but nightmares right. about Honduras. Right. That it's could be like, a challenge. 
dangerous place. It's all these things, blah, 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 blah. And we're on the side of the road with no lights in this truck and, you know, a hundred stops. And, you know, he's like, Hey, can we help you? And like, uh, you know, I sure. Like, we're not exactly sure what's going on. And he's, he's got a flashlight, you know, he's poking around in there and he's like, Oh, I don't know. And then Miguel's in the, in the driver's seat and, and he's flicking things around and he did something, you know, like one of those one up, three down, yeah. cross your fingers sure. and the lights come on. And Miguel's like, okay, we've got lights. Let's go. Yeah. And we, we have no idea what it was. We had lights <laughs> and we could figure it out later. Yeah, we'll figure it out <laughs> later. And we get on the road and we just go, we make it into El Salvador and El Salvador. Cause what, how far is it? between those two. Cause when I went through Honduras, I went through Tegucigalpa and I went, I came into Copan city in the North. So we took the long way through, but yeah. that little corner looks like it's fairly short. It's super short. 50, 60 miles. 60, yeah. Something like that. Got it. And, and the, the time suck is always the, the crossing. Yeah, sure. Because especially Nicaragua, um, coming in and out of Nicaragua was, it was a challenge. Huh? It was absolute. I mean, paperwork isn't right. It's your paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the yeah. guys on the other side did that. It's not yeah. us, you know, and they're just super, super tough, yeah. you know, to deal with everywhere else. It was a breeze, Nice, you know, just super, oh, super good breezy. to know. Yeah. So yeah, coming out of uh, Honduras into El Salvador, it's, it's late at night, it's raining, but you know, El Salvador was great, you know, and I learned that El Salvador has more um, volcanoes than any other country. I and it's one that. of the teeniest countries. It is a small country. Yeah. Yeah. Teeny country. And I drove all the way through El Salvador and we had one stop, um, before Guatemala and that clutch had just wrecked me. I could barely walk by the time we got to Guatemala. My they're leg was they're so, so heavy. Those yeah. clutches are so heavy. You know, Guatemala again, uneventful. I got to spend some great time with my family there. They live in uh, Antigua and Guatemala yeah. City, and it was just sure. wonderful. That was a great bookend to the trip. It was just, it was one of those trips that like anything that could possibly go wrong <laughs> went wrong. And we just, we, we got into, a f- you know, squabbles with each other sure. as travelers do. But sure. then there's that mutual respect that kept you going. You know, it was one of the great trips of my life that was completely on pavement. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I, there was a few a few things that we did that were off pavement, but it was brutal in that truck. Holy well, smoke. and that's the thing is overlanding. You can go around the world overlanding and not go off pavement and you can still be overlanding. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you cross all of Russia and you drive all the way, the length of the Pan American, most of it is paved if yeah. you want, and you're having one hell of an overland yeah. adventure. Yeah. So. And the fun thing about that trip is I've always, always, I've done it here in the U S a few times where I've, I've bought a car, bought a motorcycle or something and flown there, grabbed it and ridden back, driven yeah. back. And it's fun. You know, Super you've fun. got this new thing that you don't know, you know, you're trusting somebody that yep. says it's great. And I've always wanted to do that internationally. And the, my friend Miguel did it. Yeah. And we pulled it off and it was just, it was so much fun because, you know, we just figured it out as we went. <laughs> Did you have any, uh, any lessons, any takeaways from that? I think at my stage, it's, it's reinforcement of previous lessons, Yeah, you know, of just like, Hey, it's not the end of the world. You're no one's hurt, right? No one's life's in danger. Right. You know, you just need to be patient and things work themselves out. Kind of that constant forward motion too. 
that I yeah, learned. Keep moving through the obstacle. Yeah, totally. Well, it's, you know, I, I think I learned it in mountaineering and, and something that uh, a mentor of mine, Ace Cavalli, always says is constant forward motion. You know, you just, no matter what, you just keep, keep moving. moving, especially after you've reached the summit because right. the summit's only halfway there. You know, it was that constant forward motion of not getting discouraged, you know, because it's easy to just throw your hands up and go, the car's broken. We don't know what's wrong with it, right. but let's keep pushing it forward. Let's keep moving. And you had a heck of an adventure because of oh, it. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people that maybe even look down on a classic Land Rover for travel miss is that it kind of guarantees adventure. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, that's kind of what I signed up for. I wanted things to be difficult and I wanted to learn about myself and to grow and to have challenges along the way. And if you drive a, what year was that? It was a 67, 68. If you drive a 67 series Land Rover, you're going to have one hell of an adventure, pretty much guaranteed. A hundred percent. And you know, in much to Miguel's credit, he had all the right tools, all the right spare parts as well as he could, you know, without carrying it without towing a a totally separate truck, right? that makes it easier. That makes the adventure easier. It really does. You know, it's part of, of the way I personally learned being out there and having these types of trips is be as prepared as you can be. Right. And the breakdown, the getting stuck is part of it. Right. You know, you know, our mutual friend, Jack Quinlan really embraced that. Yeah. You know, and I really learned from him to embrace that though you know, Hey, this is part of the deal. And if we get into camp or the next town at 3am, it's part of the deal. It but is. we had this time on the side of the road, like the time you got stuck in Columbia. Oh yeah, you know? exactly. That <laughs> was awesome. That had was awesome. all the empanadas. <laughs> you did. <yeah. laughs> I had all the empanadas. <laughs> the little empanada shop, you know, like their kids are going to college now and everything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. It was good. Yeah. You know, and I'm just sitting there on the side of the road with a broken BMW and, and, you know, just waiting for you guys to come back. But it's talking to the, the locals. It was great. Yeah, part of the thing. You know, yeah, it's it was. part of the, part of the deal. Yeah. It kind of forces you to be, to work through it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, you've also did you, recently. You, you also did a trip with Camp Yoshi. Yeah, uh, a couple of them actually. Yeah, so we've done let's a talk a little bit about who they are and maybe a little bit about the adventure that you did. Yeah, so Camp Yoshi and I, two brothers, Ron and Rashad, and very different brothers. Where does the Yoshi come from? What is is it a last name or what? Do you know no, what it means? Yoshi. It's Japanese, and I forget exactly what it means. It's something good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, you know, uh, Ron and Ron and Rashad are brothers and very different backgrounds. Ron is in, in finance of some sort and Rashad's a chef um, that nice. was in finance at one point. Nice. And they started this travel company, essentially, to open the doors for people of color. Yeah. And it's something that I'd never really considered, you know, generationally, black folks... Mm-hmm didn't feel comfortable in the outdoors because it was a dangerous place for them. Sure. You know, in the, in the forties, fifties, sixties, that was a very dangerous place for a black person to be. Sure. It was out in the middle of nowhere and we've evolved and we've come to a new time, but generationally the, the guys that are our age, their parents didn't take them camping. Right. You know, and what Ron and Rashad want to do is they want to open the outdoors to them, show them that, they're welcome there. Show them that there's nothing to be afraid of, that it's, 
and all it's, the it's incredible, incredible benefits. Yeah, there's a, incredible it. benefits to it. You know, yeah. that's, it's an incredible place to be. So they started Camp Yoshi. I was introduced to them on their second or third trip, their first trip to Moab, essentially. Mm. And they wanted to like, how do we do Moab right? Right. And what really impressed me about them was we don't know anything about camping in the desert, traveling through the desert. Right. How do we do it right with minimal impact? We want to teach our clients the right way to do this. Word on the street, and I can't remember how the word on the street got to them that I was the right person to ask. Sure. <laughs> but you know, they reached out and I ended up there. And we had an incredible, you know, four or five days there. And I hooked them up with Nina Barlow, who taught awesome. them about driving awesome. um, and minimal impact. Sure. And I taught them about, you know, minimal impact when you're camping, you know, about wag bags, about, you know, and these guys, when they heard about wag bags, you should have seen their faces. <laughs> they were you know, like, what? <laughs> we're going to do what? <laughs> you're going to do what? Yeah. But then there was that initial trip with them. And then I actually came back because I wanted to see how this was implemented with their clients. Sure. And when I went back on their first trip, it really, it just really made me proud that here were the, the two guys, my, my two guys that I taught the best that I knew how. And then they had, I think it was 12 clients and then their three or four support staff. Sure. That they were, you know, basically repeating almost verbatim about cryptobiotic soil, about how to travel through washes, sure. about sanitary issues. Um, yeah, packing you out know, your stuff. Yeah. Right. And just, and then here were these 12 people that for the, their first camping trip, it was, I think for of those 12 people, 10 of them, it was their very first time camping. Wow. You know, definitely their first time in Moab. And then they were learning this very low impact way of traveling through the desert. So from that, you know, they, they basically said, well, similarly, how can we do something else? How do we go to Canyonlands 301, you know, the AP course, the, yep. you know, how do we get our masters? So we went out and we basically did instead of a, a base camp type of thing that they did on their inaugural trip, we did more of a car camping overland trip where we went, nice. was it three days, three or four days, but you know, we went out and explored, um, with our friends from Huckberry as well. Amazing. And we went out and explored like, okay, how could we put this trip together where it's a little spicy with some driving, right? Amazing topography. I really want to, um, introduce them to the the cultural, the ancient Puebloans that were there previous to us. So they, they have a history like this isn't, I think for me, and it, and it comes back to how my perception of the area, as soon as I realized that the desert wasn't this wasteland and that it had nurtured life for thousands of years, yeah. it made me really tweak my perspective on the Colorado plateau. And, and you've gone through that process over decades. And mm -hmm. I mean, you've been traveling the Colorado plateau for at least 20 years. Having just turned 50, it's now 30 years. Yeah. We, both, ju we both just turned 50. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My first time, I'd been mountain biking there quite a bit. You know, Bob Allen took me down there for the first time to mountain bike. But then my first time to really get deep was with, with Seldom Seen Smith. Okay. Of, you know, Ed Abbey history. Wow. And I'd been, I'd been mountain biking up on Poison Spider in this old Jeep, flat fender Jeep. 
comes creaking up behind me. And this guy just goes out of my way, you sprocket head. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And I'm like, who is this guy? Like, whatever, get by, you know? And he cruises by and a couple miles down the trail, he's in a nice shady spot and he's got his igloo cooler with water out and he's making a bologna and mayonnaise sandwich. (laughs) And I ride up and he's like, he goes, Oh, you want to, you know, you want a sandwich? You want some water? And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, shady spot. And I'll eat this. We get to chatting, you know, he finds out I'm from Montana and he asked me about Doug Peacock. He goes, well, you must know Doug Peacock. I go, well, Doug Peacock, who, you know, in the book is, hey, dude. Okay, gotcha. And Doug Peacock was my creative writing professor. Oh, wow. Recently. You know, so I I tell him this and he's, you know, eyes light up. He's like, of course, you know, Doug. And he goes, well, you ever been down into Canyonlands? And I go, no, what's, what's Canyonlands? You know, and like to me, Moab was it. Sure. You know, cause that was mountain biking and my world was Moab and I was getting a little bit explory, getting, you know, out into Jackson Hole, which was towards Canyonlands, but not very deep. And he goes, oh, it's, you know, the needles. And he's really excited. He's like, you gotta get, you gotta get down there. And he says, well, what are you doing the next couple of days? I'm like, nothing. I'm living in my van in Moonflower Canyon. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go hang out. So I end up going down to uh, the Needles District. Oh, wow. And we go up over Elephant Hill. Oh, wow. In, in his Jeep. In his Jeep. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, in his Jeep. And we camped it. I think it's Devil's Kitchen sure. in there. I still remember it. Like, you know, him telling me about the ringtail cats and to watch my food. And, you know, we, we didn't sleep in tents. We were just sleeping, you know, out in cowboy camp style. That, to me, was the the mind blowing entrance into the Colorado plateau. And it recalibrated probably so many things. Oh yeah. Of how little you need and how simple the vehicle can be and the setup can be and just get out and explore. A hundred percent. And it was, you know, it was the first time that I'd seen, you know, the ancient Pueblo homes and the ancient Pueblo writings, pictographs and, wow. and whatnot. And it just really blew my mind. It made me want to come back out here. So with Camp Yoshi, I wanted to try and recreate that sense of wonder and astonishment with, with them first sure, and then let them recreate it with their clients. So we went out for three or four days and we wrapped down through, uh, through the bear's ears, got pretty remote, you know, and I think that that's an important part of teaching people how, you know, Hey, we can be super remote where you're. 70 miles in each direction if you're on the highway to the next gas station. Sure. But you're going to be all right. Yeah. Give people that confidence. Yeah. So, yeah, we put together a great route for them. It's ancient Pueblo dwellings. It's pictographs. It's off-road. It's on-road. It's slot canyons. And they're doing that this fall in October. Yeah, what a neat organization. Yeah. And we'll put link in the show notes to... Yeah, Camp Yoshi. Camp Yoshi's doing amazing things. The gathering event that you and I both went to recently, they're doing amazing things. Sonia and Nakota. Yeah, it's just awesome stuff that we're seeing happening. And then you you did fly and do the Mexican 1000. So you got to talk about that a little <laughs> bit because that sounds... You, you, first of all, the, the vehicle you did it in is like everybody's dream Baja experience. So yeah, I mean, the Mexican 1000, it's not the Baja 1000. You know, a lot of people get Mexican 1000, Baja 1000 confused. Baja 1000, they do it in a day, I th- maybe 36 hours, but you sure. have to complete 
the full thousand miles sure. in one shot. The Mexican 1000 is more of a rally. Sure. You know, you've like got a classic five, car rally. Classic car rally. It's, you've got five days to make it from Ensenada to San Jose del Cabo. I'd been aware of the Mexican 1000, hadn't really been interested in it. Early on in my career, I worked with Mouse McCoy, who'd who'd won the Iron I Man. I remember that. That was such um, a great Dust story. Dust Glory, yeah. you know, the whole thing. Yeah, great movie. So it was kind of, you know, like uh, my, my perception of the Baja 1000 and Mexican 1000 was very motorhead, sure. like trophy trucks. You got to have millions of dollars to do this type of thing. Wasn't really on my radar. It's something that I was interested in doing. Early 2022, my buddy Tim sends me a message and Tim's, Tim's a great guy. I've known him for a long time. I actually knew him through the motorcycle world. And he sends me a message and he goes, uh, I just bought a Myers Manx. It doesn't have an engine. I'm going to race the Mexican 1000. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, well, it kind of depends on my schedule. A week's a long time. And at the time it wasn't really, wasn't something that I wanted to do. Sure. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't. A yes. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the way I, I determine a lot of things either. Fuck yes. And if it's not a fuck yes, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Or otherwise it should be a no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I was, I was a, but it was interesting and I loved him and he's, um, he's a very, he does things right. He does things. So I was, I was interested. But I had a lot of things going on, you know, and it kind of depended on including how. this trip driving an old land. Yeah, was dry, yeah, that was falling right in there. And I kept in touch with Tim as he, he's like, oh, I, I got an engine off Craigslist for the for the Manx. Like, <laughs> like, oh, my God, this is never going to happen. <laughs> right. This is never going to happen. And then my buddy Stefan got involved and then my buddy Dustin got involved. They started coming together and I'm like, oh, this, you know, and I started getting a little bit of FOMO because I was I was going to Panama. Right. To, to do this thing. Panama thing fell through at the time. And I end up in the Tijuana airport at 9am, you know, drinking Tecate, eating huevos rancheros, <laughs> waiting on my buddy Stefan to pick me up, <laughs> yeah. you know, to go to Ensenada. It was awesome. You know, he pulled it off. He built this Myers Manx with a Volkswagen engine that he bought. Is that what they had Texas. originally? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, I don't know if I'm using the right terminology because I'm not super familiar, but it's the, the Myers Manx is basically a fiberglass tub that sits on the Volkswagen bug kind of tray tub. chassis. Yeah, sure. You know, because it, it doesn't have a chassis. It has a kind of a unibody. It's kind of a unibody. It's one of the first unibodies. Yeah. And it sits on that. So it has the, the little Volkswagen engine in the back. And, you know, it's a bug. It's, <laughs> awesome. it's the little dune buggy. Sure. You know, you know, we had such a good time. I mean, and that thing only goes... 50, 60 miles an hour it's not that at fast, best, yeah, sure. you know, but what the Mexican 1000 did was they hooked up with this guy, Michael from slow Baja. And I forget his last name. I've heard about them. Yeah. yeah. He's a, he's a really nice guy. He, nice. um, he drives an old FJ 40 and they created the safari class. It's just this class that is all about vintage, all about cruising. Sure. You know, you're not racing those, the trophy trucks are there. Right. And the, you know, the big bikes, you know, the, the rally bikes are there, the, the big enduros are there Sure, and all the, all the things are there. But then in safari class, you're just kind of cruising. Like you're just cruising along, having fun. You stop at the pits, you have some beers, you have some ceviche, you get a tamale from <laughs> a lady down the road Perfect. and you work your way down, you know, the peninsula. So it's kind of, and, it's kind of like a, you're, you're racing to a degree cause you're having some fun with a little bit of speed, but then you're experiencing the whole place. You're experiencing well. the whole place and it's not a race though. It's a rally, yeah. you know? And I think some people, 
there's definitely the people that take it more seriously than others. Sure. Um, we weren't that sure, you know, like we were just, we were so stoked that we made it to the finish every day, Sure, you know, and then it was getting it back to where you could start in the morning, you know, figuring out why we were burning a quart of oil every half hour, you know, that type of thing. Um, but it was just super fun to the, you know, to the point where I was like, all right, I'm definitely, I'm in, I'm on board again for 2023, you know, and, and you're going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Awesome. Yeah. We'll make sure we throw a couple photos <laughs> yeah, of that into the show notes. Oh, yeah, that's so great. Fun. Well, I want to, I want to pivot a little bit. One of the things that so many people that listen to the podcast know you for is, uh, your creative work and the quality of the creative work that you do. Also that you tie a lot of that in with the passion that we all have for overlanding. So let's talk a little bit about your art. Recently, you had an art exhibit in Mexico City. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So it was my first gallery show. It all came about because in the the early days of the pandemic, I take that back. It wasn't the early days of the pandemic. It was after, you know, we're into the pandemic. Sure. sure. (laughs) I I was driving back and forth from Colorado to LA to see my son. Sure. I never take the the same route and I'm always kind of looking for something new. And I started coming across, you know, I'd always kind of blown through it, but these areas of, you know, there's the, the salt mines, Mm. the borax mines, these Mm -hmm. different topographies. This one time I I just kind of threw up the drone, you know, I was bored, threw up the drone and, you know, looking down. Yeah. Such a different perspective. Yeah. It looked like a medical cross section of epidermis. Oh yeah. Sure. You know, like I was just kind of going, what is, why are, why is it purple and red and green? And, you know, it made me kind of take into consideration. The one in particular was a, a borax mine where they, they pumped water underground to, to get rid of it basically. But then they'd pumped so much that it had created its own volcano. Wow. And, that's why we got all these crazy colors of copper and sure and purple and, and whatnot. And it made me just kind of think of, you know, why we were, you know, kind of doing this, like what benefit is this? And we're in a constant state of evolution on this planet, you know, sure. for better or worse. And yeah. I'm not, things, are always, and, <clears throat> things yeah. are always changing. Things are always changing. And I'm not, you know, smart enough to decide whether it's better or worse. It's, you know, everything's for now. So it made me kind of go on this mission whenever it gave me a purpose beyond just going home and, or going to see my son, seek out these, these landscapes that were in a state of change, you know, that were maybe being changed quicker because of, of the mining operations and, you know, whatever, but they were beautiful, Sure, you know, and, and I just wanted to shoot them. So we had this, this gallery show at, at my gallery in, um, in Mexico city called loot. And the photos we... How do you spell that? L-O-O-T. Got it. And I believe the uh, website's L-O-O-T dot M-X. Got it. Um, And, you know, the photos, we printed them there and we did them, you know, six feet wide, just huge. It was a great experience to have my my first gallery show there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Those photos were beautiful and they were in Overland Journal not that long ago. Yeah, that's right. It was a a full latitude section. Yeah. Which was very cool. And then can people see a few of those images on your website? They're not on my website, but I let's 
put a gallery up um, so we can have it in the show notes. We'll put a or, couple couple yeah. examples so people yeah, yeah. can kind of see what because they are super impressive. Mm-hmm. It's just such an interesting way to look at humans' impact on the environment. When I shoot the environment, I always think about the big beautiful mountain or the carved canyon or the erosion or something like that. But to also capture those other influences is pretty interesting. Yeah. And like I, I said, I don't know if it's, it's good or bad yeah, because it just is, it's what yeah, it is. The, the, the salt and the borax, they're, they're natural. Sure. You know, and it's just the way that they develop it, I, I suppose. And then you did, I mean, it's something that people got to check out and we'll, we'll put it in the show notes as well. Cause it's so great, but you did this project with Hodinki where you were down, where you were in Costa Rica or Panama, where were you at, where you oh, were shooting all that with the motorcycle and the airplane? And- <laughs> we did a, 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 a my, my friend Gray reached out to me and, and Gray, I'd worked, I'd met him in, in Portugal quite a few years back. And uh, he reached out to me about doing a, a project with Hamilton and Hodinki. Right. Hamilton is a, a great watch watchmaker yeah, sure. and they've, they've done really amazing. Yeah. They have like, excellent field watches. Yeah. Like field really watches. practical, yeah. well-made. Exactly. And, uh, you know, wanted to know if, if I wanted to do a project with them. I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And we went to, um, my friend's place in Ziwat Neho called Musa, the modern utopian society of adventures. And it's, <laughs> um, it's an incredible place south of Ziwat Neho and, as far as location to film and ride motorcycles yeah, and so fly good. airplanes and drive so jeeps. Sure. It, it was really fun. We were there during the rainy season. It was right smack dab July, but we lucked out with great weather where we were able to, my friend, Jonathan, who's Canadian lives in Mexico city, has this incredible plane. And we flew in from Mexico city and then shot on the beach with motorcycles and planes. <laughs> yeah. And- that one, that one shot of you, on a dirt bike with the plane coming in behind you. I mean, that was like right out of a James Bond film. I'm like, my friend is really freaking cool. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say it's that, so, it's so good. It's yeah, so good. it's great. It's really fun. I have to say that I have a friend, Victoria Casanova, who lives in Zihuatanejo and, and Los Angeles. And we were down in Musa. She, she was the one that said, I really want to get a small plane down here. And she was just learning how to ride a motorcycle. And she's like, how cool would it be to be just riding down the beach and a plane come flying by you? You know, and that was kind of the idea of oh, having looked, Jonathan down no, there. It looks you know? so, it yeah, looks it was so really fun. It's super cool. Yeah, I mean, it it, really it's fun. so well shot. It literally looks like it's right out of a James Bond film. Yeah, it, totally it, was, it was really fun. And that's, yeah. you know, that's part of the fun of where I am in my career now is the advertising and commercial world has realized that there's a real value in the authenticity of sure of telling these stories you know and going out and having having fun with it not right. trying to create some hokey bourgeois thing it didn't look hokey it looked <laughs> it looked cool as hell right. yeah nice work nice on that man. so we got we got a little bit more time but we got to talk about one of the more interesting things that's new as far as gear and stuff for you is you have uh you've pretty much been a land rover guy since your first discovery one manual transmission truck and you recently bought a new vehicle. So let's talk about how you went from Range Rover Mark III that had been serving you well to what you're driving now. I think to to get to where we are now, we need to back up a little bit. Let's do it. Let's back up as far as you want. What year was that that we did Speed Channel? Was that 2008, 2009? I think it probably was. Yeah. 2008, 2009. Yeah. Somewhere in there. 
I met, was it the deadliest roads or this something like that? Something like that. It was ridiculous. <laughs> dangerous drives. Dangerous drives. You'd contacted me about putting a route together yep. for those guys. You know, we went to Moab in November and it snowed 30 inches. Nuked. Yeah, just nuked. And I met Dave Harrington, yep. you know, for the first time. And Dave is the uh, the founder of AEV and he had a brute there and a couple of... Um, of Jeeps. I don't yeah, know. JK's. JK's. Yep. Yeah. I mean, with their kit on it, just built. I yeah, mean, super built. sweet. And I had my, my discovery, you know, we, we did this trip and by the end of the trip, I was missing a headlight out of the discovery, but it kept up with the AEVs. Even in that really deep snow, I remember you, oh, yeah. you're, you're looking at me like, Scott, there's no way. And I'm like, just keep, <laughs> we're just going to keep airing down until there's almost no air yep. left in the tire. And it exactly. worked. It worked. It worked. And we got through and I've always, you know, Dave is such a great guy. He's so smart. He's such a talented designer, businessman. Yeah, he's just awesome, um, dude. Just a great guy. And I'd always appreciated his product, sure. the way he, he does it. But I've never, you know, I've never really strayed from Land Rover for whatever reason. And Dave has been very generous with letting me drive a Brute, letting me drive, you know, JKs. Whenever sure. I needed a truck, he'd let me drive it. It was the gateway always, drugs. He was it was the gateway. Yeah, I know. He was like, give it, to him, give it to him for free, then he'll buy. <laughs> <laughs> he was using a little bit of that hood, hood economics. <laughs> no dummy. <laughs> Which is pretty good for a Montana boy. Um, so, Both you know, you. yeah, fast forward to I've recently started using, first it was a Ford Ranger that TJM out of Australia had built. And I used that with, with my son on a spring break trip. And I really liked the platform of a truck with a rack on it and the rooftop tent on top. And if anybody that knows me knows, like I'm not a fan of rooftop tents, right? I've, I've never have been. I hate finding a flat parking spot. Generally I'll sleep outside camp, cowboy camp, not into it. My son, however, loves them. Yeah. They're tree forts. It's a tree fort. He just, he's they so transform. They, they transform. Pop up. Yeah. It's like he's, all the things he's into it. Basically what I've learned ever since having a kid is I've lived my life. Now I'm going to do everything I can to make his life as awesome as it can be. As meaningful as it can be. Yeah. Exactly. So we had this trip, had the rooftop tent. He really loved it. I started thinking about that platform and this was probably four years ago. It was a pickup truck you were in Ranger. It was a Ranger. Yeah. It was a uh, it was a Ford Ranger. Yeah, three or which four years a ago. Great truck, a really great truck. And the TJM stuff was the the way they had it was very thoughtfully worked, yeah. built out. And it was kind of on the back of my mind. And then I did uh, you know the Camp Yoshi project. Yeah. And I had the uh, the Gladiator way out their concept vehicle. Sure. That Scott Brown sent me. Same deal. Rooftop tent on the back platform of the truck. on the yeah. back. Um, had the deck system in the back. It's it's kind of percolating. So I started thinking like, what, what is it that I need out of a truck? And the, the problem with both the Ford Ranger and the Gladiator was the range, the gas mileage. Yeah. I just couldn't, I couldn't fathom driving those, either of those because, you know. You get too remote. Yeah, I just you don't. have long, long trips. I, yeah, I have long trips. I don't like carrying fuel. I don't, you know, it's like I try and keep it as simple as possible. And, you know, in a conversation with Dave, Harrington, he was like, have you checked out the, the diesel, the Duramax Colorado? He wasn't even, he didn't even mention AEV. He was like bison. I didn't know about the bison, but you know, I checked it out and it kind of checked a lot of boxes, a lot of boxes. And then, yeah, it was our midsize truck of the year a few years ago. Right. Yeah. So the, uh, the bison, the way that Dave has outfitted it and designed it really worked. 
you know? So late last year, I, I picked one up um, because they're not making the diesel anymore. It's, it's really going to serve the purpose. I think, you know, as far as what yeah, I, you said you were getting mid 20 mile per gallon. Oh over yeah. F- over I've, 500 mile range in the, yeah, yeah. Over 500 mile range. Yeah. Um, 20, you know, 24 to 26 miles to the gallon. Sure. It's been winter and we've had a heck of a winter as we all know, there hasn't been a lot of opportunity, but yeah. some I've done some stuff in and around Utah. It still gets high teens off road, which sure. I'll take all yeah, day long. Sure. So yeah, it's, um, I'm really excited. We've been here in, in Prescott the last few days, kind of figuring things out with like it. Kind of stage one. Yeah. Stage one and, um, super minimal. I don't need a lot. I really liked the deck system that I found on the gladiator. The fact that you can have that organized storage that's secure Lockable, and yeah. waterproof. I also came across the light. I, th- I believe Lightner. it's lightner yeah. rack system. I vacillated a lot on whether I wanted to go with a camper top, like a Super Pacific or a GFC or Mm -hmm. an AT Overland. The thing that kind of kept me with the open with the rooftop tent system is I've never dealt with a camper system that didn't keep dust out. Sure. So if I'm going to, if I know I'm going to get dust in there, I might as well just let it fly and I don't, I don't know. It may change down well, the road. It, for sure. And, and the configuration you've got now, you still have a truck. Yeah. You can, haul, truck. you can haul motorcycles around. You can go to, you can go to Home Depot and yeah, you can get, you can use it as a truck. You can go to Home Depot. You can haul your motorcycle. You can, you know, bring home a new washer and dryer. Like you can use a truck as a truck, which I think is kind of nice. So I, I do like that a little more open bed configuration. Exactly. This is, this is new to me. I've always been in, you know, a a fully enclosed SUV. Yeah. And so I'm going to let it kind of evolve. I'm not, I'm going to keep it very, because part of what I've learned over the years is the more complicated the systems get, the more chance you have to have to fix it in the field. Or just be distracted from the reason why you're going out. Exactly. Go see nature and spend time time with my kid, you know, is what it's about. And I don't want to, as much fun as he has sorting bolts, <laughs> I don't want to be doing that in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Um, and then you so, put a tent on top of it. Yeah, I did put a tent on top of it. Alucab. Alucab. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's an Alucab. To me, I had my choice of quite a few. And looking at the Alucab, it was the most durable. And it looks I'm not. Bomber. Yeah, it's, it looks bomber. And I've heard nothing but good things about them. Um, again, and it has the ability to run some accessory rails on top. So you could put your mountain bikes up there or, you know, firewood, kayaks, kayaks, you know, like whatever kind of weird sport (laughs) I want to do. No, I could put a, but I don't want to go any higher than it already is. Yeah. And again, it's going to be pretty minimal, but the Alucab to me, like it's one of the beefiest um, ones out there. And I tend to, again, one of the reasons, and I didn't touch on this earlier is one of the reasons I went, I never, even looked at full size. I did look at the power wagon for a bit. And yeah. once I drove the power wagon, it was way too big for what I, it's an incredible vehicle, yeah. but way too big for what I, the places I like to go. And a back to the fuel economy. Yeah. And the fuel economy. Yeah. So this midsize this, diesel. This truck, it's twice the fuel yeah. economy of a, exactly. of a power wagon. Yeah, exactly. So th- this midsize really knocks it out of the park for me and being, you know, small and compact <laughs> and having the, the alu cab being as beefy as it is, it's not going to get torn up by, no. by branches or no. anything and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, so you've got a, looks like a ZR2 Bison 
gives you rear locker, front locker, multimatic suspensions, got a, a bunch of AEV goodies on it, AEV bumper. You're getting ready to put a winch on it. Yep. You're going to be ready because you yeah. always do so much solo travel that you need to be very self-sufficient, including getting unstuck. Yep. It, it's interesting because uh, Caleb from Adventure Imports ha, has been helping me with this, this truck over the last few days. And, you know, he was, he was lamenting that he can't find people to go out with. Sure. You know, and I was like, just go by yourself. Yeah. Don't ever let that hold you back. And you're going to yeah. realize that going by yourself, you don't have to worry about anybody else's agenda. You don't have to worry about how anybody else feels. You just go and out. And you get to learn a lot about yourself. Yeah, too. exactly. And for me, you know, it's, I don't want to you know, my schedule is so wonky with my career and my sure. son. And if I have the opportunity to get out there, I want to be out there and I, I want to be self-sufficient. Yeah. And um, having a winch is definitely one of those things that gives you the confidence that it makes know, so much yeah, sense. I can it get out of so here. <laughs> and you like to really go into rugged remote places. So. Yeah. Well, that is it's it. The truck looks great. We'll throw a photo up and you're just getting started. It's going to be featured in Overland Journal and Expedition Portal. And we'll end up doing a wrap up video. We'll do a bunch of great things on it so people can follow along with your with your new project. Pretty amazing that you uh, strayed from Land Rover. But if you're going to do it, that's the vehicle to do it with a diesel midsize truck. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, AV. I, I think so. I mean, the, the fact that someone of uh of dave from aev's caliber has yeah. given it its blessing sure there, there's not a whole lot of other people in this space that i respect as much as much as dave so no doubt yeah yeah it's the one to go with sinway thanks so much any yeah. but let's talk about how people find out more about you what's your your social media your website how do people follow you and engage with your content yeah so any i mean uh instagram is Sinway Xavier. All of my socials are Sinway Xavier. My website, Sinway Xavier. Type in my name. You can, you know, Google me, whatever it takes. <laughs> I'm out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been so fun to have you on. Is there anything that else that you want to talk about? Anything that you'd like to share with the audience or some recent insights or things that you've learned that you wanted to share? You know, I, not, not really. I've, I've had such a, you know, great time over the last couple of years coming out of the pandemic and yeah. getting back to just letting the, uh, letting the universe suggest, sure lay, lay its suggestions out and sure. being in tune to those suggestions and following them around, yeah. you know, ending up as kind of everything we talked about, yeah you know, the, the Camp Yoshi thing was a little suggestion, the, the trip through Central America was a little suggestion and, yeah. you know, being open to that stuff and not being locked into what I think is the, the path. Yeah. You know, you've, you've been saying yes to the hell yeses and a, exactly. lot, a lot of no's to other things. Yeah, That's exactly. Good. That's good. Exactly. So anyway, it's always such a joy to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being a great friend and for bouncing around the world with me all these years. And we look forward to having you back on the podcast. We thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you next time.